You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another edition of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from MindRobber.net, the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts, like this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who. The MindRobber's Verse is where we pick a show, we talk about it episode by episode, we break it down, we do... uh, we do uh, two to three episodes of uh, the Mind Robbers versus a week, and we talk about uh, like two episodes of the show that we're talking about per episode. That's really confusing, but that's what we do. Um, uh, currently, we're covering uh, Justice League, and, and very soon we'll be getting into Justice League Unlimited uh, before taking a break at the end of the year and then jumping into Veronica Mars, which is very exciting. Um, that's also where you can find a lot of our, uh, movie reviews, but, uh, not Gravity, which we thought we were going to do there, but we realized we probably don't have, I mean, we'll, we'll be able to talk about it, but probably not in like, not a lot of like details to talk about necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. so, so we're just going to, we're just going to cover it in the Mind Robbers, our flagship podcast, uh, where we talk about everything else. So if you want to hear our thoughts on Gravity. Uh, you're going to find that on the Mind Robbers, uh, our regular show. Uh, if you like our shows, please review them on iTunes. If you have questions, comments, concerns, any other sort of cool thing you might feel like sharing, then email them to us, podcast at mindrobber.net. If you want to start a discussion, add it to the comments on the website uh, so that everyone can know what you're thinking. And most importantly, tell your friends that you listen and that they should be listening too. Hi, Matt. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I watched Modern Undead, so I'm I'm very good. Um, oh, that's what I was supposed to watch today. Yeah. Oh. Well, bye, everybody. Well, um, <laughs> it's <laughs> fine. Wing it. It's it's good. Just kidding. Yeah. No, we watched Modern Undead today. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. what's what's what what do you got background of significance? Um, it's our next fifth Doctor story, which is always yes. always exciting because it's our uh, there there are posts of progress. Yes, um, which means that we've covered another 10 stories. Um, what for us this means is that we're actually halfway through the classic series, more or less. Um, <laughs> Depending uh, on some things that we may be talking about next week. <laughs> yes. Some things um, might get rejiggered a little. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the day that this podcast was released, this podcast is going out on Tuesday. We were recording this on a Sunday. Uh, the BBC is supposed to announce a press conference. Uh, or, or it's they're going they're to having a press, a press conference. conference they're holding a press conference where they're saying, we're going to talk about something Doctor Who related. Uh, also, possibly related, we're going to release two missing episodes <laughs> digitally. On um, Wednesday. On sometime this week. <laughs> so, on Wednesday. Yeah. On Wednesday. Yeah. So uh, we're getting we're getting two missing episodes. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, that's a big deal. The BBC is not treating it like a big deal. They're just like, no, we're releasing them. Which tells me that there's a lot more that they're sitting on. Um, mm-hmm. 
and we will be talking about that uh, next week uh, on the show because um, if it's what we think it is, it's mm-hmm. gonna be worth discussing. Because remember uh, when means- they remember when they found two episodes like like a couple years ago? They found mm-hmm. they found two episodes, and it was like the biggest news for a week. Like oh yeah, oh, everyone it was, was talking about it, and it was and it was episode two of the Underwater Menace and episode three of Galaxy Four, right? Neither of which are anyone's favorite stories, right? Um, and and, and so so and that was huge. So the fact that they're just like oh yeah, there's two episodes that we're missing. Uh, they're they're coming out on Wednesday, uh, digitally, and uh, we have something to announce on Tuesday. And it's like if they're not making a big deal out of two episodes suddenly being available on Wednesday, yeah, that's that's because it's part of a major announcement that they yeah. haven't made yet. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's really good news. It means that I have to go back to the drawing board and figure out when the heck we're going to talk about episodes that are missing. Um. Mm-hmm. If if that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's been so if there's stories that are suddenly available after Tuesday, or suddenly are scheduled to be available after Tuesday, um, if we've covered them on the show before and they were they were reconstructions or missing episodes, look forward to us revisiting those stories once they've become fully available. That's yes. what we're saying. So. Yeah, yeah, but but more on that list of of stories and everything. We're going to talk about that next week because, for all we know, this could just be this could just be total BS. And the announcement that they're making is, you know, a release date for Adventures in Time and Space. Yeah. <laughs> it could be like it could be like we have two episodes. Bigger deal. Paul McGann's going to be in the uh, uh, anniversary special. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. There it is. Actually, we, we, we resurrected Art Noel Troughton and Pertwee. We made a deal with Satan, um, and we're going to bring them back for this You know what? Special. That would be big news. That would be great news. <laughs> that would, would be totally... big news. Um, also, uh, uh, I well, because I heard, I've heard, I mean, we don't talk about rumors on this show very often, but I heard that, like, I remember hearing something a few months ago, maybe not even that long ago. I think it was maybe like a month and a half ago that Paul McGann isn't in the 50th, but he's he's going to be starring in a series of like prequels to the mm. 50th mm. that are that are going to be about him regenerating into John Hurt. And it's how they're going to reveal the what John Hurt is. Which everyone is assuming what who he is as the missing doctor. That's not me spoiling anything, guys. Apologies. That's just theory and hearsay yeah it's total yeah. speculation um but but that's uh that's 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 what i've been hearing is that he's not actually part of the 50th it's just that they're actually using the prequels for like you know something useful this time yeah because, As opposed because what to i want because what i want is is paul mcgann in mobisodes that's what i want um well to be I mean, fair look, I, the no, mobisodes no, no, I, are, are really high quality to be no fair. i'm i'm totally in for it it's just <laughs> yeah. like i i'm also like Maybe throw him into the actual special too. That sounds like a great idea. So well, we'll maybe he will be. I don't, who knows? But I I want him to be. Yeah, uh, because it I'm would be a... it would be better. I think it would be better if that was the teaser to the to the special, rather than yeah. a, a, a series of of mobile shows. Like, could you imagine like just the 50th anniversary kicking in with Paul McGann, and you're just like, what? Yeah, and it's oh, just yeah. like him in the middle of the time war, and like leading to his regeneration into John Hurt, and then That'd he regenerates nuts. into John Hurt, and then it's like, then boom, the Doctor Who music kicks in. Oh my god! Yeah, and it's like a brand new like 
all-encompassing crossing between different types of the oh my god yeah it'd be awesome um (laughs) so i think we just i think we just solved doctor who you know what forget the missing episodes um (laughs) that's what the announcement is the announcement is hey guys we found the doctor who movie we found it Um, oh man that would be that'd be great um (laughs) but yeah no we'll talk about that next week uh and talk about figuring new things out. Um, and I'm really now really glad that we didn't announce the countdown because one of the stories that's supposed to have been found, uh, according to rumor, is one of the things we were going to talk about in the countdown. So, and I don't want to cover that if that's been found. Whew. Um, unless unless they like just release them in a big set of episodes. <laughs> oh my god, be so good. like like uh, right in time for the fiftieth. Oh, that'd be so good. Um, yeah. So, so, um, so, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Cause what's the, what's the rumor in terms of how long they've been sitting on them? Hasn't it been a while? Well, the news, the first rumor broke in June. Yeah. Um, but, but the, but the rumor in June wasn't that they just found them. It was uh, that, that, that somebody found out that they'd found them Oh, and that they'd been sitting on them for a while. Well, the, the rumor, that rumor did say that Caroline Skinner knew. Um, so that, that takes it back to at least March. Right. Um, so they've been sitting on this. Okay. So they've been, they've been sitting on them for a while, which means they could have been like in overtime working on, on this, on these episodes and, and getting them like digitized and pretty. (laughs) We're, we're going to release one new doctor who story every day onto iTunes. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 Uh, because 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 they're like we don't want you guys to wait for us to release them on DVD, but those are coming too. Yeah. Oh, uh, my, god. oh my god. Um. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll talk about that next week. Um, okay. <laughs> this week we're talking about Majin and Dead, which is the halfway story. Oh, oh right. For, yeah, for it's the halfway story for us. Um, so this means that we've covered one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It this might not ten- be the halfway point for us anymore. Yeah, might not, but we'll see. Um, also, also the uh, the the ten uh, the ten to one countdown that we're doing kind of throws a wrench into that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. But we also did specials before we did those ten to ones. Um, I like we talked about true. storm warning and other things. Um, oh yeah, I guess that's true. So, I mean, we'll see. I don't. I haven't done the exact math, but it's. I mean, it means that we're more or less halfway. Um, but yeah, so this is, I mean, this is also, I mean, more significantly, this is the halfway point of Davison. Um, this is the middle, like, not the middle story, but this is the end of his first ten, and he has ten more after this, just to let you know how much Davison there actually is. Um, wow, we've done a lot of Davison. It doesn't yeah. feel like we've done ten Davison stories. Cool. Which is funny, because when you think about it, that means that we've had to done, we had to have done about twice as many Tom Baker stories. Just by sheer Wow. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And All right. <laughs> about, about as many, um... Uh, Hartnell, because Hartnell had thirty six. So, so we've like, been we're doing looking... the show a while, is what you're saying. <laughs> I was I was doing the math on it. We've been doing the show for two and a half years. Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually a bit a bit over two and a half years. Um, Jeepers! Yeah, makes makes you really look back. Um, <laughs> All right, <laughs> in a good way. Um, so uh, so yeah, this is the halfway point of Davison. This is the um, this is his twentieth uh, season. This is the twentieth season of the show. Uh, it's his second season. This season, uh, of course, is quote unquote marred by the fact that uh John Nathan Turner wanted to do uh old monsters returning, so he started with Omega. He did the last time we talked about Davison, we did Snake Dance, he brought back the Mar from the previous season. And this season 
he does something slightly in- mm. more interesting where he's just like, well, this seems tiring, so I'm just going to bring back the Black Guardian as a guy who just shows up for three stories. Um, so Black he, Guardian. He, he cheated his own mandate, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be the first time. Um, oh, won't be the last. <laughs> won't be the last. Um, so, <laughs> re- hashtag reasons I love John Nathan Turner. <laughs> oh, such a great, <laughs> a real guy who just stands his ground. Um, <laughs> so... So, uh, we have the Black Guardian who previously no, you know appeared. What? You know what? Here's what I'll say about that, though. Here's what I'll say about that. If this was Stephen Moffat, his thing would be, he would just stop, and he would give no reason for it, or he would claim that he never said that. Whereas, whereas he, whereas, like, John Nathan Turner finds a way to, to have his cake and eat it. It's awesome. That's you know what that is the sign of a good producer. If a produ- yeah. if you can find a way to have your cake and eat it, more power. To, you're doing your job. That's as far as I'm. That's what I think. Absolutely, don't <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. Um, so Nathan Turner decides I'm going to bring back the Black Guardian because that was a big deal, and because the Black Guardian was a big deal last time, I'm going to make him a big deal this time, and we're going to do a three uh, three story arc. <laughs> A three-story arc with the Black Guardian kind of around it, and uh, it'll make it so that when we have a th- this thing called DVDs, we can release them in a big bundle and call it the Black Guardian trilogy. Isn't that great? Um, he did not have that foresight. No, he didn't. Um, <laughs> that is giving him way too much credit. Um, which I mean, I don't think anyone had that foresight, so it's fine. It's yeah. not a slam on him. It's just a way. Well, BBC certainly didn't because uh, no. they deleted all those Doctor Who stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, now we have to. Now we have to have a press conference. <laughs> Stupid. Um, so. and, a, and, a, and a crazy uh, a crazy guy in Ethiopia who was hoarding uh, Doctor Who stories. Yeah, just like, just like, just like, remember the fat guy in Chew? Like that. Like, <laughs> like that was really, really specific that no one listening is going to understand. No one's going to get it, but you understood it. I that's understood. Really all, I get that's it. really all I care about. Also, that guy was fat. Just so, just so we all remember that. Um, oh, but man. yes, so he brings back, he decides to bring back the Black Guardian. And he also decides because um, he's getting really tired of Nyssa and Peter Davison is like, you know that Nyssa is like my best companion, right? And he's just like, yeah, but I think she's run his course in terms of narrative. Uh, John Nathan Turner making calls on narrative. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> things he shouldn't be doing. Um, uh, decides that we needed to introduce, he needed to introduce a new companion. So he came up with this idea for a human looking alien uh, with a mystery with a mis- mysterious past and he breaks this character and he kind of like outlines what he wants to do with this character. And he comes up with this idea of like, okay, I want these guy, I want this guy to have kind of an antagonistic relationship. So, uh, Eric Sayward gets like really sucked into this idea of having like an evil companion, um, and, uh, seeing if it works out and which, which to evil. be fair is a genius idea. Oh, it's so great. It's yeah. one of those things that like you just look at and you're just like, why has no one ever done that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the kind of like, it's the kind of 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 uh, simple and awesome idea that is usually relegated to like children's shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's there's a lot of that sort of thing on like you know like Power Rangers. You know, mm-hmm. like it feels like a, it it very much feels like a Power Rangers kind of move in, in the way where you're just like that just sounds cool, but then like the execution is rarely there. Um, yes. But yeah, yes. that's that's what it reminds me of. It's in and you know, it's same deal with like uh Green Lanterns and in, in, in comics, how uh Jeff Johns was like, Oh yeah, no, there's other colors and there are other emotions and everyone everyone hit their foreheads at the same time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, was mm-hmm. the, it was the forehead smack heard around the world. We're all um, like, we're all like, wow, what took us so long to do that? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, so, I love stuff like that. I love it. Yeah. And this is like one of those great ideas. And it's also uh-huh. a great way of like doing a testing ground because Nathan Turner, just like all of the companions, I suppose, they always come up with like, okay, we're going to try you out for a couple episodes and see how it works. And like funny because it almost always works out. Um, but they said, okay, so at the end of this trilogy, we can decide to keep him or lose him as it, as we see fit. So mm-hmm. they bring in uh, Peter Grimwade to write a story. Peter Grimwade had previously directed a whole bunch of stories. He directed, amongst other things, um, uh, what was what, what were the stories? There were Full Circle, which was a fourth, which was a fourth Doctor last season story. Legopolis, which we're going to be talking about in uh, in a little bit, a couple months. Um, or next month, actually. We're talking about that next month. Uh, a teaser, if you will. Um, so he directed Logopolis, and then he directed Earthshock, and he uh, directed Kinda, and he also wrote Time Flight. And Grimwade was looking into being more of a writer. Like, he just wanted to stretch those muscles. He wanted to write and direct. Um, and so he was hired to write Modern and Dead. And uh, Nathan Turner gave him this brief where he was like, I think we should have the Brigadier in as well. You have to introduce Turlow, um, and you have to uh, have the Black Guardian in there. And Peter Grimway turns around and turns around the script, and they decide that they're going to make it. And they also bring in a director by the name of Peter Moffat, who had previously directed uh, The Visitation and State of Decay, and who would go on to direct, amongst other things, The Twin Dilemma. Um <laughs> Um, and say, okay, and you direct it and let's go. And that's kind of where this story comes from. It's, um, uh, it's the kickoff to this like mini arc of stories and it's, uh, it's the introduction of Vistler Turlow, um, which I think is what makes it most significant. So yeah, that's the background and significance of Modern Undead. All right. Well, uh, before we talk about it. Just a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop, you can get from DCBService.com. You place uh, your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Then you can ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay $6.95 in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Uh, all right. So, uh, we've been lazy in the show notes and I was about to introduce Father's Day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, so let me fix that. Uh, Modern Undead is what we're talking about. Yes. Um, we're also not talking about Beast of Babylon. Um, no, no, we already did that. Okay. What's going on? What's going on? I'm talking. I'm talking to the both of us. What, I don't know. What are we I doing? <laughs> I think we just assume that the other person did it. All right, that's Fair how enough. it normally goes. Fair. If the other person does it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so there's there's a lot of classic who. Well, not a lot, but there's like a handful of stories that I've said as as we've been going through um, half of all of classic who now. There's been a handful where um, I have made the comment if. You are a new Who watcher, and you have, uh, and you've never watched Classic Who, but you're 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 interested. There's there's a handful of stories that I've said in the past that you should watch. Um, Modern Undead absolutely belongs on that list, and the reason is that uh, I I mean, is this the first timey wimey story? 
Uh, is this the mm. is this the first outside of um I forget what the name of it was, but the one where it was like the four parter where two parts were in one time period and the, the other two was in the other. That was a hard story. Yeah, the arc, the arc. which was yeah. great. I loved that. Um, but this is the first time where it got really like convoluted and messed up, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is like the first like really convoluted time travel story that yeah, Doctor Who has done, which is there's. B- Bizarre. One <laughs> other example, which is the Space Museum, but the Space Museum is a like the first episode does it, and then the other three don't play with it as much as you'd imagine it to. Yeah, um, which is disappointing. Yes. Um, so, so I would definitely put Modern Undead on that list for uh, a variety of reasons, but like that's one of them. The other being that it's just really, um, it's really fun. And it's very mature. Like, I, I, I really, really love this. Mm-hmm. Um, and But on top of it all, and this is really important because this is something that people seem to think is a negative about Classic Who, I think this is a really important detail about Modern Undead is that it is a really great story that you could basically take almost word for word and then have it be remade today and it would be just as good. Mm-hmm. But the important detail is that the villains, the Modron, are really lame and cheesy, but <laughs> in a way that is kind of charming, in that just like that classic Who way, mm-hmm. which I think is important because it's the kind of thing where you could show this to somebody who's never seen classic Who before. You could show this episode to them. And other than them probably being lost with the whole Brigadier thing, um, uh, they could watch this... And be like, oh, this story is really interesting, and I can understand how Classic Who works. But it also, it's like, um, it's like when you go get a flu shot, and a flu shot is basically just the flu, um, and your body gets over it really quickly because it's like a minor strain of the flu or whatever, and then your body builds up an immunity so that you don't catch the bigger, worser flu later on. Yes. That's what this is. This is the modern are a are a lesser are a lesser flu strain, <laughs> so that if you watch this, I feel like it can indoctrinate you to be used to l- much lamer, much cheesier villains in other classic Who stories. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely um, agreed. And and I think that that's really important. I think, in fact. I think at some point we should think about doing an uh, doing a story like probably when we're done with Classic Who, doing an episode where we count down the top ten, like come up with with together, come up with a list of stories that are like the top ten Classic Who stories for new Who fans. Mm-hmm. We should do that definitely because I think I think that would be worthwhile. Definitely because um, I mean the like I the ones I'm coming up with off the top of my head are like Spearhead, this mm-hmm. Arkham Space. Um, like those are the, those are the three, like, especially Ark in Space. I think Ark in Space is a brilliant place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's so. that, there's that one with, um, oh, what was the one, the, the, the McCoy one with the, uh, with the, with the bus. Delta and the Bannerman? Yeah, Delta and the yeah. Bannerman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Just because it's wacky. Yeah. Um, In fact, there's a lot of, there's a lot of McCoy ones. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, definitely. And the McCoy is definitely like the, I think the most... 
friendly era, just in terms of like modern storytelling and a companion doctor relationship that you can connect with and mm-hmm. all that. It's definitely one of them. Um, we also need uh, to do uh, an audio uh, audio list. That those we could do separately, but we should definitely. do that too. Uh-huh. We should absolutely do an audio list. Yeah. Um, Oh things that they, uh, let's add work to our already hectic set schedules yeah 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 things uh, i have time for yeah. um <laughs> anyway um but fun things god we love yeah. making lists we do yeah, lists are great they're great to organize and and go shopping with oh, um they're so wonderful um yeah, but i i completely agree about this story um this is a story that i don't even know why i was kind of like i don't know because because the black guardian trilogy is considered uh, a letdown aside from enlightenment um <laughs> could it really be can it really be considered a letdown after the key to time i mean did the key to time do anything better uh rebus operation um but like well, the no the no to- i mean i mean as a thing that's what no. i mean like no. i don't mean separately i don't mean no. story separately i just mean as a thing no. Like is I feel like this is this is uh, I feel very much that this series is like the superior sequel to <laughs> Key to Time. Like, oh, definitely. I, definitely. I don't know. It's especially because this is more soapy. Like this is definitely. I mean, it's not total soap, but it is the sort of thing where it is pushing into a direction where you kind of have to follow Turlo's state of mind over the course of this. Yeah. I mean, Terminus totally lets it down completely. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Um. But looking at it and, like, bridging from this to Enlightenment, it's actually kind of gorgeous. And, I mean, Enlightenment, spoilers for that, I suppose, when we get there in a couple months, uh, Enlightenment is one of my, like, three favorite Davis, Davis, Davison stories behind Kinda and Caves. Like, because Enlightenment is ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. Um, See, but, for me, for me, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, this. Uh, Enlightenment and Caves. I think those are my yeah. favorites. Th- that's that's a great list. Um, <laughs> it's a great, great list. Um, but I'm looking at it, and like I think the thing that I should mention first and foremost, because I didn't mention this in the background, is um, it actually wasn't supposed to be the Brigadier. Um, this was actually supposed to be Ian. Um, it makes so much more sense. It makes a lot more sense, because you're like, the Brigadier's just like, yeah, I'm a teacher. And you're like, are you? Like, I teach math. <laughs> teaches math. Do, which do is do just you. like... That's, yeah. uh, okay. That's... It's different. I didn't know. I, I, a... I would. I would. I'd actually. I would have. Uh, I would believe it more if he said that uh, he was teaching defense. Defense against the dark arts. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I would actually believe that more than maths. <laughs> oh, 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 that's so good. The brigadier is like friggin' Lupin. That's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was supposed to be Ian, uh, and that's important because it means that there's this thing called the unit dating controversy, which is given that no one was paying attention to continuity, and they did this story. Uh, this story takes place over the course of seven years, which means that it's set in 1983, but it also goes back to 1976. And, um, 77. And by that point... Which, doctor... I, which I only know because I was like, Star Wars was really important to somebody on this crew. <laughs> Peter Grimwood yeah. really, really loved the Battle of Ta- uh, the Battle of Yavin. Like it was a yeah. huge fan. I, w- uh, I was really hoping that there was going to be some sort of twist or cliffhanger that was going to take place in 1980. <laughs> I was just going to leave everyone in a really dark place. <laughs> <laughs> the brigadier just goes, "I am your father." Yeah. Cuts off Davison's hand, like just <laughs> like, vicious. Um, 
<laughs> but um, looking at this story, um, it's it's designed in such a way that like you know the brigadier was still in charge of Unit in 1977. Sarah Jane says that she was from 1980, and suddenly fanboys are just like, "How do we reconcile it?" And it's like, "Stop worrying about it. Like, stop." <laughs> um, but uh, that's that's like I think an important thing to note. Um, and like I, as much as I really wish that they had gotten Ian for this story, um, because it would have given him something to do. There's also something where it's like. It's really weird seeing the brigadier without a mustache. Um, <laughs> well, they had to they had to differentiate the two, right? Exactly, and like I, it also makes me wonder if they would have given like uh, Ian just like a full on like grizzly beard, like if that, <laughs> if that would have been a thing. But I mean, well, and I, I also think I like the idea thematically that he's only the brigadier with the mustache, so mm-hmm. when he doesn't have any memories, he doesn't have the mustache. Almost yeah. like. Almost like he's not the brigadier without the mustache, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a great design thing, and it's interesting yeah. because w- when you watch this, like you, you actually don't get the 1977 brigadier until the second episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how when, when you're watching the story, because you're so used to not having classic who do anything that is, for the lack of better term, timey wimey. Um, when you suddenly start realizing, you're like, how is this timey? How is this going to fit together? And you already, and like, they tell you that it's kind of a loop. Like they kind of reveal that it's a loop because everything is happening as it had happened. Um, and that Peter Grimwade, like, I mean, what, he's such a good writer. Like he's a ridiculously good writer and a ridiculously yes. good director. Um, yes. And I just, I'm, I'm so impressed with his work whenever he comes out and does a story. Because um, as we talked about with Time Flight, like even Time Flight, which is not good, still has so many little kernels of genius throughout mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that you can't help but respect the guy for it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and this is a great example of that. It's like, it's, except like, this is one of those things where it's like, it's really good at doing like the soap opera drama. It's got a really good plot and it's really, really, really well constructed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just cause it, in the way that it cuts between storylines is really effortless and it's just really, really, really good. And like you said, really, really fun. Um, this is a story that I keep coming back to. And every time I come back to it, I'm just like, it's just, such cookie dough like it's just exactly what i want from doctor who it's exactly what i want from the fifth doctor it's a swashbuckling adventure and it's got like time travel and a great use of time travel and a way that like the like the way that they save it at the end is like it's it's saved because of the time travel like that is their out and it makes sense that it would like it doesn't even feel like a cop-out even though it is deus ex brigadier um or brigadier ex machina i suppose um and, uh, and well we have an episode title <laughs> Brigadier X Machina. Um, I'm writing uh, that in the show notes so I don't forget. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that, and I mean, it's a great use of Nissa and Tegan. I mean, there's some there's some things about it that are questionable um, to me. The the thing where they're just like, this guy's the Doctor. It's like, is he though? Like, you're just kind of assuming these things. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense for you to be assuming them, but you kind of go with it, um, especially the first time, and then the next times it really doesn't kind of bother you. Um, and I think that that's like really interesting. And it also does a really great thing of stakes where it's like the stakes of the story are actually kind of low where, you know, the modern could keep existing in perpetuity and there could be no problems with that. Um, the only problem is that like at a certain point we realize that Nissa and Tegan are infected and they will be like the modern if the doctor doesn't save the modern. Um, and I love that. Like, it's one of those things that's just a subtle thing, but it makes it so that, you know, you're always wondering why is this 
why why do we have to do this? Like, why does the doctor have to do this? And they set up that stakes really well in the fourth episode. Um, mm-hmm. As I'm watching it, I'm just like, well, why does the doctor have to do this? Like, I find that I wonder that every time. And, th- and this time, it just like it's such a it's such a great way of of, of establishing stakes and reasons to stay in a room, um, which I love. I love it, and it's so simple, um, and it's great. So, I suppose we should talk about Turlo, right? Turlo? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I don't mean that to sound dismissive. It's just that I feel like we get very little Turlo in this, um, mm. uh, or at least we get to know him very little. Because I think I find that he's the most villainous in this story. Yes. Um, so he's a little Draco Malfoy. Um, yes. Great, 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 Paul. Yeah, he's 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 a little Draco Malfoy. Um, I don't know. I there I don't really have a whole lot to say about him in this because he he's very much he's just a tool rather than a character in this. Mm-hmm. And I mean mm-hmm. he he I mean he is a character. I don't I don't again I don't mean to sound dismissive. It's just that comparing this to later stories even within this trilogy with him mm-hmm. I feel like he is more of a tool here than he is going forward. Like he he's very much just uh, something for the audience to be aware of. It, it's it, like, it's that thing where it's like the audience knows more than the doctor in this case. Mm-hmm. And as a result, like that's something that they've never really been able to play with in, yes. in Doctor Who before. So they're kind of pulling every obvious, pun- like pulling every obvious trick mm-hmm. out of that. You know, like the perfect example is, is the first, uh, the first cliffhanger. Yes. Um which is which is Turlo about to bash the doctor over the head with the rock. Um so I feel like they're using his character rather than letting his character figure out who he is and 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 what his role is going to be in the mm-hmm. in in the show. Um so I don't really have a whole lot to say about him here. Um mm-hmm. but I do think he's interesting. I think it I think it's an interesting I, it's a great concept. It's more than an interesting concept. It's a great concept to have um, the the evil, uh, the secret evil double agent companion. Um, yes, I, I think that's a great idea. But it's very much because they're just introducing that idea here. That's kind of all we get out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 because they're introducing that idea, and that's how they introduce him. It makes his introduction story more interesting than I think any other companion intro- companion introduction story. Because you compare this to something like Time Warrior, which is very standard in terms of uh, introducing Sarah Jane. It's a very good story, but it's also like, and here's our new companion. This is the sort of thing where it's like you kind of don't know that he's going to be a companion. Like you can watch this whole thing, and at the end of it, you're kind of expecting him to succeed or not succeed. And then at the end, they're just like the doctor's like, oh, you're a companion. Like it doesn't. It plays totally differently and you can tell that like grim wade is just doing something new and different and fresh and it feels like it, it just feels so different and weird in a way that like i wish that more companion stories were weird yeah. um and and because it, it's so it's so cool he just he comes off so specific early on and that a lot of that is that um mark strickson especially in this has this very impish quality like his face is very angular his hair is red um his eyes are blue he has very striking features um and when he first shows up he feels like this envoy of satan if that makes sense like he feels like this evil being a trickster god who has just appeared in the narrative um 
and it's, it's, it's such a great way of doing it. And I, I think that that's a combination of Grimwade and Moffat working together to kind of tell this really interesting story about this guy. Um, it's also strange to me because that's, that's – I mean you're right about all those things. But then you throw in the added detail that he's not human. And mm. I, I kind of come away from, from all of this with the prevailing question of why. Yes. Like why is he not human other than for the sake of him just not being human? Because he looks human. He acts human. He, For all intents and purposes, he is human. Mm-hmm. So why is he not just human? Yeah. And, I mean like – and, and so like I, I just – I have trouble um, – I don't know, kind of just accepting that detail about this character. It just bugs me because it just feels like it's just there for the sake of being there. Yeah. I mean, like, he could just be a dude from the future. Like, that's yeah. all they really need to do. Um, or just anyone, really. Um, just because, I mean, the only thing that I can come up with is it's a really easy out when they need to write him out. And they can just be like, and he goes back to his people, um, which right. is exactly what happens. Um But you look at it, and I totally agree with you. I totally agree that it's really weird. I mean, it helps the... I guess the stakes because it helps him know about transmat capsules and and uh, and it helps him just be like I'm gonna steal this ship and just go back to my home planet and the Black Guardian's like what are you doing and he's just like I'm leaving you um like it gives him something to do but other than that like it doesn't it's the sort of thing where it doesn't really help him and it I mean it help doesn't help his character especially moving forward because he doesn't do anything with being he's just he is for all intents and purposes a human um he is for all intents and purposes a real boy um it's and also, it is it's also a real bummer that we don't I for some reason and I mean call me crazy but I would have been fascinated to see him to see Turlo mixed up with Colin Baker with Six Doctor sure Definitely. I, I just feel like they would have they would have played against each other interestingly because suddenly in the context of the sixth doctor in the show, suddenly Turlo would be the good guy. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Which it which would be fascinating and I and I feel like from um from from the perspective of Perry, like she would just be like, What? I I used to like the doctor more than you, but now we're sort of teamed up together like what what's going on <laughs> and i just I, I i think that that would be would have been like way more interesting definitely because um, uh, i don't know some sometimes especially in the case of like what they decided to do with colin baker uh maybe lightening up the load on the tardis was not the right choice yeah maybe definitely. having two companions together to both like be able to look at each other and be like no seriously what's up with him yeah. And now that you mentioned that, I hadn't ever thought about that, but that is a good point because why, why is he suddenly carrying around like one other person? Um, why yeah. not, why not surround it and just like, cause it's much easier to have the, the drunk, angry uncle, I suppose, if you have a whole family surrounding him. Yes. Um, and that, and that, cause it would, it would alleviate some of the tension. It would give people more things to do than just to bicker. It would have, you, you'd have more things. It would make, it would just dilute, I suppose, is yes. the word I'm looking for. Um, I wonder yeah, how weird. much that would have helped Colin Baker's doctor and, and the show in general, if that had happened. If there had just been one other companion so that Perry could, could, you know, give that side, that side look to that other companion and just, you know, be like, what's going on? And the the other person being like, I don't know either. Like, what's the deal with him? Why is he yeah. acting so weird? Yeah, definitely. That is weird. That is weird. Colin Baker has never had more than one companion as far as I know. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing. That's Not even an audio. Yeah. I mean, the one time that you could kind of count it is... um legend of the cybermen when zoe shows up along with jamie but even then like zoe is only kind of a companion for that story like it's right. not like an actually like recurring thing that happens that is right. weird 
Huh. Huh. And and also weird because even the seventh Doctor in audio has had multiple companions with Ace and Hex. Um, So yeah, that is weird. That's so weird. Hmm. They must have gone and looked back at the fourth Doctor and just been like, well, it worked for him. And it's like, well, yeah, but that was the fourth Doctor. (laughs) Yeah. The fourth Doctor was inherently lovable. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, But no, I, I... I just, I kind of didn't even take notes on this. I just kind of looked at it and I just, I just immersed myself in it because this is just, I don't know. It's one of, I, it's one of the great Davison stories and just like a great adventure. It's exactly what I want from Davison. Uh, I think, I think if I were to make a top twenty Doctor Who stories, I think this might be in that list. Mm. It'd be, it'd be low on that list, but it would be in that list. I think. Interesting. Yeah, I can't even I can't even argue that because it is one of those things where it's like this is definitely like one of those things that like I don't even I don't even think it's like one of those like great stories, but I just think it's a favorite story. Yeah, um, like great, it might you know? it might even start that list. Like it might just be at twenty, you know. But <laughs> sure, but I but I I can't imagine it not being on that list. I just enjoy it so much, and it's definitely. the kind of story that warrants repeat viewings. Uh, which is great and not something you can say about a lot of classic who, even the really good ones, like mm-hmm. even the really good ones, you can say, oh yeah, I could totally watch that right now, but you're not getting anything out of watching it again. Mm-hmm. You're just watching it again, like, because you like it, you know? Yeah. And this is, this is one where it's like, every time I look at it, I just marvel at its construction. Yeah. Um, Cause it is, it is, it is so meticulously well put together mm-hmm. in the way that Earthshock is meticulously well put together in terms of direction. Um, and that's his thing, man. Grimwade is so good at just putting pieces together. Uh, and it makes me really excited for when we talk about uh, Planet of Fire uh, when we get to that. When uh, we're almost done. <laughs> I love Planet of Fire. Did, uh, uh, I remember, I don't even remember why I watched that randomly, but man, that was so good. It's because I told you to. Oh, is that all? Okay. Yeah. Because you were like, I'm looking for a Davison story, a great Davison story that I haven't seen. And I was just like, Planet of Fire? And you said, yes. And then we started talking about it. And then you were like, you should be on the podcast. And that's how we started the podcast. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Good times. Now we know. Good times. (laughs) Uh, I'd totally forgotten about that. Um, But that's what happened. That was, wow. I watched that before you were on this show. Weird. Yep. Huh. Yep. All that right. was the thing. That was the thing that, like, you were talking about. We were talking about it on Twitter, and you were just like, "You know what?" Because <laughs> we were talking about how Perry was a great companion, and you were just like, and then we started talking about companions. We started talking about Adric, and then it was just like, "Oh, we should do the show." <laughs> and then alternate universe Adric, <laughs> alternate universe Adric, and we just sat here the whole time. And, and then, and it's funny that we're talking about this now because this is the halfway point. Full circle. Boom. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. Well, that's Modern Undead. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it. Uh, this is one that you should definitely uh, seek out and watch because uh, it's it's really really great. Um, so there you go, Margin Undead. All right, well, uh, before we wrap it up, want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase any paperback, hardcover, omnibus, absolute edition, uh, graphic novel collection, thirty-five to forty-five percent off. New release specials, 50% off every week. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Next week, Tom Baker and the Invasion of Time. Let's go Centauran hunting. Let's go go Centauran hunting. Oh, I can't wait. I know it's terrible. I don't care. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it. It's six episodes. Be prepared. Oh, no. (laughs) I always forget that it's six episodes. Oh, man. 
Oh, no, but it's good because we have uh, we have our versus show. So I just, you know, I alternate. We usually record both of those in blocks. So, yeah, I'll just alternate. It'll be fine. But, man, whew, I can't wait for Centauran hunting. Yeah, well, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, I know it's going to be terrible, but I'm excited for it to be terrible. Yep. Um, okay, so. That's next week. That's Invasion of Time. And then we're going to do the survival. Not the survival. <laughs> we're going to do survival, which is the last classic Who story, the final story from Sylvester McCoy, the final story of the 26th season, the final story before it was taken off the air and canceled as Doctor Who was. Um, that's survival. That's coming uh, not next week, but the week after. And then after that, we are going to be doing our countdown, which is 10 Doctor Who stories from 10 to 1. We will be announcing that probably next week. Probably next week uh, after we talk about the announcement and all that sort of thing, because I need to figure out if we're doing our second Doctor story or not. Um, right. Because uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be really good. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and that's going to be a, it's going to be a biweekly schedule for five weeks. We're going to be doing 10 no, Doctor. No, twi- twi- twice weekly. Twice weekly? Bi- biweekly can... means every other week. Twice weekly <laughs> means two times per week. Prefixes are the worst. Yeah. They're just the worst. Uh, but uh, twice weekly, um, and it's going to be and it's going to be going on for five weeks, and we're going to be counting down. So we're going to do a 10th Doctor story, ninth, 8th, all the way down to the first Doctor. Um, and our first Doctor story is, uh, I'll just say it right now, it's Unearthly Child. So right to the beginning. Yeah. Because we're sentimental old saps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and right now, an Unearthly Child in our schedule is scheduled to release on 1123. It's not going to come out on eleven twenty three. I'm going to release it on eleven twenty four. So be prepared. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Come on. It's got to go out on eleven twenty four. Why? Um. Because that's the date that it aired. No, it aired on the twenty third, bro. It, it was the twenty third. Then why yeah. are we talking about fiftieth on the twenty fifth? Because we were going to wait two days because it comes out on the twenty third. Oh. Yeah, the fiftieth airs on Saturday, November twenty third. Okay, well then it will come out on the twenty third. I was I <laughs> yes. was thrown because I thought we were. I thought I thought 50, the fiftieth anniversary was coming out the day after it aired. Okay, anyway. Oh, no, my bad. Sorry. That's why I was thrown. <clears throat> okay, I guess it could come out on the twenty fourth. So, so I yeah, thought so, of it that so way. yeah, I don't know which I will definitely come out on the twenty third, um, and then fiftieth uh, anniversary will be a couple days later. Mm-hmm. And just I'll tease this. Uh, uh, Eighth Doctor, Seventh Doctor, Sixth Doctor, and Fifth Doctor, they're not television stories, so mm-hmm. it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, because otherwise yeah. we wouldn't have an Eighth Doctor. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> we could watch the movie again. We could just... <laughs> you know, I'm good. I'm... I'm <laughs> you know, I'm good. I really... I think we said all we had to say about that one. I'm fine. I'm fine with not. I'm just... I'm fine with not. <laughs> um... All right, right. so uh, Invasion of Time uh, next week. Uh, In the meantime, check out our other podcast, The Mind Robbers Versus, where we're covering Justice League right now. Um, And then uh, The Mind Robbers, our flagship podcast. Uh, For those of you who listen to this, don't listen to that because you don't know what it is. Um, It's basically uh, whatever Matt and I want to talk about every week. We, we, We sort of talk about things we've been watching or reading um, or or playing, in in my case. Uh we talk about that and then we usually have a main topic 
Right now, we've been taking a look at new fall pilots, although this week, because no new pilots aired this week that we have any interest in watching or talking about, uh, we are going to talk about Gravity, and then we have a movie pick every week. Uh, because this is October, we're beginning our horror, our week of horror. So we're doing, um, we're doing, uh, Scream 2, uh, Scream 2, The Shining, um, what else? American Werewolf in London. Yeah, American Werewolf in London and Rosemary's Baby. Um, yes. So those are the, those are the four we're talking about. And The Shining is going to be a double feature with, uh, with, uh, a documentary, a Shining documentary that came out this year. Um, Ooh. So uh, we do that, and we do a comic pick and a music pick, and uh, it's just we we just we consume a lot of things in a week, and then we talk to you about them. Yeah, we um, consume a lot of things and then regurgitate them all over your ears. Yep, yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> like a mama good. bird, yeah, like a mama bird. <laughs> so if you want to listen to us, mama bird, all over you, um, that's uh, that's the mind robbers. Um, so make sure that you check that out. Also, uh, we're on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, Scott Commentary, where this month, some at some point, I will be live tweeting the return of Swamp Thing uh, with Matt. Uh, yes. Which, who can also be found on Twitter. Yes, I can. Oh, right. Uh, twitter.com slash in. Also, my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash Commentary, where I live tweet things like, uh, for example, Return of Swamp Thing, like Scott said. Also, the OC, when uh, when I finally get around to watching some more of that, um, because uh, I, loves, I loves me live tweeting the OC. You can also find my thoughts, further thoughts on Modern Undead. Too many thoughts on Modern Undead over at classicalgalfrey.blogspot.com, which is uh, uh, my my blog where I put up all the Doctor Who stories, and it's just kind of sitting there as it's been sitting there and waiting for you to read it. All which I uh, I reread while I was waiting for you to get online. Oh, thank you. I hope it, <laughs> I hope it was lovely. I don't remember it. It, it was. was that was towards the end. That was like September. I could yeah. tell. I could tell by the way it was written. <laughs> the, also, just, also, you commented on Deep Space Nine. So I oh, did that I? Was later, yeah. <laughs> this is the exasperation of just I need this to be over. <laughs> yeah, no, I could just tell. I could tell by the way that it was written because there was there was literally like the next to no plot details in it, <laughs> and and then and I was like, oh, this must have been later when he when he changed the format a little, and then uh, and then you mentioned Deep Space Nine. I was like, oh, okay, this was like not that long ago. <laughs> no, it was about a year ago. Yeah, it was yeah. about a year ago. I saved, I saved this for last. Like I saved, the, I saved this trilogy like towards the end. This is the last thing I covered before Clay Caves, if I remember right. Nice. So yeah, nice. good stuff. Check that All out, right. classicalgalfrey.blogspot.com. Indeed, and uh, we'll talk to you next week with the Invasion of Time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>